This is Xane Anderson and welcome to the Principal Podcast today. Today I've got Jim White on the show. Excited to have you with us, Jim. Jim is, by the way, an author. He's a coach. He's the founder of the Family Enrichment Academy. He's been married for 40 years. He has six children, 12 grandchildren, and he's he's got a background as a family enrichment coach, life experience um, that has provided him a very unique perspective on parenthood, and he's got a book, How to Be the Parent Your Teenager Needs You to Be, which is, by the way, his second book on parenting. Jim, thank you for being on the show today. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. And even the name of your book is intriguing, How to Be the Parent Your Teenager Needs to Be. Now, on this show, I was hoping that you could share with us a maybe some tips or some principles of how we can help our teenagers want to talk to us. Because I think so many times something's going on in their world. A lot of times the parents feel like they can't get through to their teenagers Tell us about this. What, what should a parent do who's in a situation where they'd like a teenager to open up and it's just not happening? Yeah. And the first thing I would say is that it's very common. So don't feel like you're somehow different than, than most people out there. It's this a common scenario for parents to run into as you move into those teenage years. And in some ways, if you think about it, it's somewhat natural. That teenager, as, as your child moves into those teenage years, they naturally start to want to pull away a little bit, if you will. They, they're wanting to exercise their independence a little bit more. They're seeing themselves as independent. And so there's this- and Can I interject something here? That's actually a good thing because we want them to be- independent. Yeah. We want them to not be tied at our hip or need us or be as dependent as they are when they're five or six or, or in diapers. Abs absolutely. So we, can't, we don't need to look at it necessarily as, hey, oh my goodness, I'm losing my child. It's actually a normal phase- where we're actually saying they're becoming an adult and they need to pull away a little bit so they can test their own ability to fly, so to speak. Right, absolutely. And what a parent will experience throughout the teenage years is this gap will widen and then it'll close and then it'll widen again and it'll close. And you know, and it's the points where it's widened some is when the parents sometimes they feel disconnected or they feel like their teenager won't talk to them. And so, you know, but it's a very common thing and it comes up quite a bit. And the, the, the simple answer is, as you move into those teen years, the parent has to be much more intentional about maintaining and rebuilding that connection. Because again, you're gonna have these periods where that connection breaks down or it, it'll feel like there's some distance there. And again, it's a natural thing, it's part of the process. And it's actually, there's a little bit of a shift in the relationship that's happening as you move into those teenage years as well. And that's another piece where the parent sometimes Times can inadvertently create some disconnect with their teen because their their approach, if you will, to parenting um, needs to shift a little bit as we move into those teenage years. And one of the the things I'll talk oh, so to yeah, tell us how it needs to shift. I'm curious. Yeah, it's so that I'll, I'll I'll get with parents, and it's actually where you see a lot of conflict between a teen and the parent. Um, if you think about it, when the child's young, like you mentioned, that three, four, five year old, the parent is in control of what goes on, right? They decide what they wear, when they eat, when they go to bed, the, the parent is in control. But as you move into those teenage years, there needs to be a shifting of that control to the child. It's part of what you were saying, you know, this idea that we want them to eventually be able to take responsibility for themselves and make a good choices and be a responsible adult. Well, 
the training ground for that happens through the teenage years. And parents, through those years, uh, there should be this natural process of turning over more and more control to the teen. And what happens is parents hold on. You know, they don't want to give that up and they or, or they resist giving up that control and the teens fighting for it. Right. And so that's where a lot of conflict comes in. And when the conflict comes, it creates the disconnect to where the teen, the teen won't say something to you. You know, the classic example is, let's say the teenager comes home and says, hey, I got this math test on Friday. The parent swoops in, the, in the, from a control standpoint and tries to manage the teen for the week to make sure they study when they should study and that they're doing all they're supposed to do to prepare for this test. Well, the teenager resists that because they, you know, they don't want somebody micromanaging them, right? Well, then what happens is the next time there's a test, the teen just won't tell the parent, right? Because if I tell them, they're just going to swoop in and micromanage. So that's an example where I'm saying where you can sort of unintentionally create some of that disconnect by just the way you are engaging with the teen. Now, so what should a parent say? The, ter- the kid comes home and says, I have a math test. Give me an idea. What, what's an ideal response for a parent? Well, and I'll, I'll set the context first, because a lot of times parents will say, you know, I can't just turn my back on them and say, okay, it's all on you at this point. There's this, sometimes there's a sense that they, okay, if I'm not going to control, what is the alternative? What do I do instead? And this is where I like to introduce the idea of empowerment. Your role as a parent when your child moves into those teen years is to shift to more of an empowerment approach. And what that means is you're there to help support and shape them, but it's not your job to do the task, if you will. You're there in support. It's more of a coaching role at that point, as opposed to, a, a, a you know, a, one of the quotes I put out sometimes is at some point your teenager is going to fire you as the manager of, of their life, right? They don't need you managing their life anymore, but they will, they will, right. a lot of times they will be very open to your coaching and support. And so that's the shift. So when you mentioned the test, you know, they come home and say, oh, I've got this test on Friday from a coaching approach. My first thing would be, well, have you got a plan? What's your plan for the week? What are you? you It's a a question. Just it's a question. You start asking, you should do this. It's it's a question, finding and understanding, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, what's your plan for the week? What did you have a, you know, how you're going to study this week? And, And hopefully they'll share that with you. And then the challenge as a parent is to if you feel like maybe their study plan's not that uh, going to be that effective, uh, it, a lot of times we want to run in and fix it, which means we're back in control mode then, right? You're, you're stepping in to try to manage. And part of the process of empowerment is to let the child go through the, their own failures, if you will. If they, if they do something that doesn't work, that's how they learn and grow, right? And your job is to be there. And so let's say their study plan is not that great. They take the test and it doesn't go well. Then the follow-up the next week is, well, what, what didn't work? And when you think back to how you study, how come it didn't work for you? What were you getting under? What was causing, what was interrupting you? You just start again, asking questions and helping them. Cause what part of what you want to teach them to do is to be thoughtful, right? That's a skill that we want them to learn how to do it. And the only way they learn to do it is by doing it. Or you want to teach them to the the other big one that, you know, sometimes parents will swoop in and rescue the child in a situation like that. But then when we do that, we rob them of the opportunity to become resilient. You know, we want them to be able to be able to get through a difficult time and to have some 
challenges and be be okay with the fact that oh you know I can figure this out I can do it I've done it before you know that's that resiliency piece but in order to have that they have to have fallen down a few times right and so as they move into the teen years it's this balance of the parent you know turning over that control and operating more from an empowerment standpoint but yet sometimes you may have to control things. It, it, like I say, it, you know, when they're 12, for example, or 13, it's different than when they're 17. And as the parent, you have to recognize your child's, you know, how are they doing from a maturity standpoint and being able to make the right choice. And you have to continue to adjust your your effort, if you will, as the child grows and learns. So it's it's and I like to use the analogy of a journey. It, you know, parenting over, you know, as a whole is a journey, you know, every day, there's going to be new circumstances and situations that pop up. And your role is to continue to grow, develop, and look for ways to be the most effective as you can in that moment. And it's but it's every day is going to be something new, a new challenge for you. I like that. And, and I liked how you described this, you know, when when our children are born, they have you basically almost have total control. I mean, you control when their diapers change, when they're going right. to eat, when they, you know, where they're going to sleep. And as they grow older, we gradually lose that control. And it's hard for some parents to say, I, gosh, I have this child who I have, you know, and, and maybe, you know, there's a little bit of a shift from, hey, daddy, I love you. And I'm grateful that you're my dad and big hugs <laughs> to you. I'm embarrassed that you're even here, like, you know, or, or yeah. I need a little sleep that going that transition to, Hey, I'm, you know, my eight-year-old daughter loves me to, Hey, now my daughter kind of doesn't even want to spend time with me. That's a, right. that's a tough transition for many parents. But if we can look at it and have a mindset of, Hey, this is great. In other words, um, they're getting to a point where even if it's a little hard for me to adjust where they don't, and, and, and as truthfully, we want to work ourselves out of a job. Do we really want our children living with us? as 40 year olds. No, we want exactly. them to be strong, independent. We want them to leave the nest. We want them to go and fly. And that teenage part is a part of it, but you're right. If we, if we hold on too much, we might inadvertently push them away. And I've, I've no, I've been guilty of that. Right. And I, and I regret it. I know that sometimes, you know, where you say, gosh, I, you know, want to fix things. Um, yeah. I, I like what you said too, about letting them fail a little bit. So they're, yeah. it's not, you know, if you if your kid steals from the from the candy store, that obviously is a bad choice. But you can talk about how hey, we don't steal, we're going to go give it back. Better to learn the lesson when they're young than when they're twenty five. Right, exactly. And they're, getting, and they're thrown in jail because they didn't learn the lesson and fail when they were at your home. Let them fail. So right. when they leave the home, they've already learned the lesson, right? So and and I talk with and with the parents a lot about mindset and shifting your perspective. And then a great example is, you know, they they have a, a failure, if you will, they do something wrong, or they fail a test, or they, like you said, maybe they uh, steal something from the store. A lot of times as parents, the initial reaction is one of disappointment. It's like, oh, you know, they shouldn't have done that. Or it's, um, you know, the parent, and actually sometimes the parent feels a little embarrassed about it, right? That, you know, they should be, it's almost like a reflection of their parenting. But I like to encourage parents to shift the mindset. And every one of those scenarios is really just an opportunity. It's it's an opportunity for their growth and development. And if you didn't have that, you're going to miss, you know, like you say, if somebody, 
a child steals, which it almost always happens. Somebody does at some point. If you have more than one or two kids, you're going to have that pop up. But that's just a great opportunity to talk about integrity and talked about honesty. And, you know, it brings up those it's a it's a chance to learn and grow. And that presents that opportunity. And so anything that happens, you know, this idea of things happening for you, this is always for your benefit. It's always for your child's benefit, as opposed to happening to you. You know, that's a, that's a big distinction there. And so if we look at anything that pops up as an opportunity for growth and development, it just shifts the mindset. And it, it then allows you to see, okay, how can I use this? scenario. Oh, I love that. That that takes a parent from being a victim, like, oh no, I'm losing my child. I can't control this too. Hey, this is just a learning opportunity. It's a learning opportunity and they're always there. And, and I mentioned the journey and actually when I work with parents, I encourage them and I bring up this idea of the, I don't know if you're familiar with the idea of a hero's two journeys. It's um, I came across that it's a storytelling technique that's used in movies and books and the premise is that the main character, and when you hear this and you watch your next movie, you're going to watch it differently. But the premise is the main character is on two different journeys. The first journey is the journey of accomplishment. You know, there's some task or some mission that they're trying to accomplish. And that's interesting. But what makes the story compelling is the second journey. It's the journey of fulfillment. And what's happening is that main character, as they're pursuing that outside goal, they're also experiencing an internal transformation. You know, they're discovering new principles, values, and beliefs, they're becoming a better person, if you will. And it's that story that makes, makes it compelling. And I use that with parents because think of your teenager, they're on two different journeys as well. I mean, they got tests to take and places to go and, you know, things that they have to accomplish. But there's also this internal journey that they're going on. They're discovering the principles, values, and beliefs that are going to guide them throughout their life. And a lot of times as parents, we don't pay enough attention to that journey and the opportunities to empower and coach them on, on that internal transformation. Because really, that's where the power is when you think about it. You know, the idea of teaching them to be resilient, that's that internal transformation that they have to go through. And that's going to serve them for the rest of their life. Whether or not he gets an A or a B on the test on Friday, you know, that's one thing. But to develop resiliency, like I say, is, is, is a good thing forever. So having some focus on both of the journeys rather than just being focused on the outcome or the task at hand. Um, it's question is how can I use this task to develop them from a character standpoint or that in those internal uh, items. So it's, you know, it opens a lot up when you approach it that way. I love that. And what I'm hearing you say is if I can, as a parent say, look, what I'm doing as a parent is building children, teenagers with character, right? It's not a reflection of me. It's not like they can get an F on their test. It, it, it doesn't mean I'm a bad parent. What it means is it's an opportunity for me to say, okay, let's take a look. What can we do? What can we do differently? Right. You know, and use it as an opportunity to, to help them develop character. And I like what you said about resiliency too. I mean, when a child is learning to walk, if we go way back, I mean, before they're teenagers, right. Every parent knows that the child is going to fall down right. hundreds of times, probably thousands of times before they learn to walk well, right? It's just, yep. It's just and you part wouldn't of expect it. them to say, oh, you fell down. So that reflects poorly on me, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> like I must be a bad dad because you're three or two years, you know, you're taking your first step and you're falling down or one or two years or whatever it is. 
No, they fell down because they're learning. Right. And if we and if we could take that attitude, it's like okay, when my teenager has these little, uh, I can I can talk it through with them and say, okay, so we didn't do as well on the math test. What do we think we could do better next time? And what's your right. plan? And, yeah. and 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 really, we want to work ourselves out of a job. Not that we don't want them to love us and be around us, but we we want them to not. Um, frankly, this may sound bad. We want them to not need us. One day we're going to die and we want them to be happy, confident, amazing adults right. that don't need us, but want right. to be with us, but don't need to be with us, right? right. And, you yeah. know, I have adult children now and it's a different relationship when they're an adult. And um, it's awesome. I mean, if they're, you know, able to, as you say, have, some, you know, success from the standpoint of, I like to use the terms peace, joy, and purpose. I mean, if, if they're full of peace, joy, and purpose, to me, that's success, whatever the rest of the material stuff might be. Um, but to have that and be able to just have a relationship with them that's um, it's more pure type of, you know, than a relationship than what you have when you're the parent. Um, it almost feels like it becomes more of, of that, but yet we still are the parents and, and the kids, they still will come and ask advice. I mean, things will come up and they'll come to you and they still need you and you will always be mom and dad. Um, but yet it's, it's just a little different when they're adults. So yeah, it's, it's an awesome transition. And, um, you know, it's just parent, it, it, parenting the teen can be a little bit of a challenge just because the other thing is the risk are higher. I think that's the part of what pops up for parents is, you know, like you take, for example, driving, you know, when they start to drive, there's, you know, they can hurt themselves, so they can hurt somebody, or if they make a bad choice and drink and drive, I mean, it, there's, you know, the risk are higher than when they were five. And I think right. that's what really sometimes can cause parents to struggle with control, you know, they want to really try to control what's going on, because they're fearful of what can happen, which actually one of the other analogies I put out with parents is that all of us have two competing mindsets within us. And at any given moment or time, we're operating from one of these two mindsets. And one of them is a fearful mindset. So you're operating and the things that you're doing are coming from a basis of fear. And the other one is love-based. And part of the challenge is to be aware and be intentional about trying to be more love-based and how you engage with your kids. And to be honest, it's how you engage with anybody. And I would assert that anytime you engage from a fearful perspective or that fearful mindset, you, you tend to damage relationships and it's the cause of pain and suffering. And anytime you engage from a love-based mindset, you're going to heal relationships and you're going to experience more peace, joy, and purpose in what you do. And so part of our challenge is to be intentional and be aware of where we are so that we can have a choice in the matter. We can say, you know what, that's, you know, I can see how that's fearful. I'm going to try to shift my mindset here. And that's part of what I coach people on is how do I be aware? And then how do I shift mindset to be more love-based? And then the question, okay, now that I'm over here, what's the response that makes the most sense? So, and it's, so that's part of the challenge and teaching your kids to do that too. Cause you know, it, most of what your child actually is going to pick up is through just watching you. You model the behavior as the parent. Um, and one thing I would say to parents is, and I say this all the time, is the parenting process is really an opportunity for personal development for yourself. 
as much as it is for your child. And if if you want to find your or have your child experience peace, joy, and purpose, like I mentioned, well, one of the things you got to do is find more of that for yourself. Because if you can find it for yourself, your child's just going to naturally follow along. They're going to pick up on the how you're getting there, and it'll become part of who they are as well. And so part of the challenge for parents is to have them also say, you know, this is a huge opportunity for me to grow and develop um, as well as, as, as I go through this process with my children. I love that attitude mindset where you can say, I get to, I get to grow. This is an opportunity for me to become a better parent. It's an opportunity for me to yeah, and I think it's even okay as a, as a parent to maybe even admit to your kids and say, you know what, I, I don't know exactly if I'm doing this exactly right. I'm trying my best, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And Actually, in in the book that you mentioned, I have nine strategies for building connection because again, we talked about how sometimes that can break down. And one of the strategies is to be vulnerable. And so there's going to be at times where it may be appropriate for you to be a little bit vulnerable. And as you said, it's kind of say, you know what, I've never had a 16 year old before, so I'm trying, but I don't know if I'm going to get this right all the time. And right. to have that conversation, um, it builds connection and it, and your, your team will appreciate that. Oh, I um, love that. Yeah, because it teaches, it, it, it's the same thing. You're modeling vulnerability. Think of it this way. And so what you're teaching the teen is it's okay for them to be vulnerable. So then when they have that issue with their friend at school, they're going to be much more comfortable coming to you and being vulnerable vulnerable about it because they've seen you do that, right? And so it, you, you're teaching them how to be that way. Whereas if you, you know, if you haven't done that, they may feel like, well, I'm not supposed to say anything if I'm upset about, you know, they or feel like I don't know what to do. Um, you know, so it's, it's, you're modeling the behavior that allows them to be that way also. And this is in your book called how to be the parent your teenager needs you to be. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And you said there were nine strategies in there. Could you share another one or two? Yeah, so um, absolutely. So on the building connection, and I think I mentioned, you know, the parent has to be a little bit more intentional with the teenager because there's going to be these times where it feels like there's a gap. And so that's where I offer these different strategies. And I mentioned being vulnerable as one of them. A great one is being playful. You know, sometimes when the teen, when the child grows into those teen years, we don't lean into or, or look for opportunities to be as playful with them. And again, the, the purpose of building connection, it's a foundational element, right? So you're not trying to solve the, the problem of their poor study habits. You're just trying to build connection at this point. And so finding opportunities to be playful, for example, whether it, if it's a teenage son, you know, you go out into the driveway and you play basketball together, you go play catch or, you know, those kinds of things. If it's a teenage daughter, you know, maybe it's game night with the family or one that I love to share, my wife and my youngest daughter both love show tunes. And I can't tell you the number of times I'd be come into the house and they'd have the, you know, the pod or the, you know, um, the, the, the iPod player in the house going with some show tune and they're singing at the top of their lungs and dancing around the house. Right. And it's just being playful, which builds connection. So, you know, look for those opportunities. Another big one that's a challenge for parents today is to be present. You know, we tend to, you know, when the child and your teen comes and if they're ready to talk, it, we have to drop everything and just be present and with Talk them. Your phone, turn it off. Drop the, exactly. Room. 
especially with a lot more of us working from home. It's easy for us to get stuck in our phone and our computer and our emails and be distracted. You know, even, you know, sitting at the dinner table, are you distracted or are you present with them? So, and if you're distracted, they notice that. And they, they then start to feel like, well, maybe I, you know, I'm not that important. You know, those underlying sort of beliefs start to pop up. So being present is huge, is a great way to build connection. Um, being compassionate, you know, if they have something go wrong, this is a, a great one too, because a lot of times we want to fix, you know, say your teenager comes to you with an issue, with friends, for example. And a lot of times the parent wants to jump in and help fix the problem and give them advice, where really all they want you to do is listen compassionately and just be there with them. And so that's another great way to, to build connection. So it's, you know, it's it's just a matter of, of looking for ways to lean in and, and reestablish that connection, um, which is just critical. And I will say this too, the reason that's so critical is because when we want to move to that empowerment, you know, we talked about being a source of empowerment or coaching them. You can't effectively empower your teen unless you have a strong connection those there's there's a relationship there if there's a disconnect and the other time sometimes i use the word influence rather than empowerment because people connect with that word a little bit so if you want to be able to influence your teen you have to have a strong connection and it, which makes sense when you think about it if you're disconnected they're not listening to you right that's that whole point of them you know they don't listen to me or they're not taking my advice um and that comes up because there's not a strong connection right I love that. So what are, can you briefly just tell us a little bit more of those nine points? I really like this. Yeah. So there's uh, being present. I mentioned being vulnerable. Um, I mentioned just straight kindness. And actually I kind of lean on, I don't know if you're familiar with the five love, love languages. Are you familiar yeah. with that book? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, kind of being aware of what what is your teen's love language. And if they like quality time, then do something to spend some quality time with them. If their love language is around gifts, then, you know, bring them a gift every once in a while. So, you know, just, that's just, and I, I label that as just kindness, you know, and, and finding ways to be kind, uh, being forgiving, you know, sometimes the teen will do something and we have to be able to let go of that because the, if we're, not forgiving it that creates that's a wedge in between that damages the relationship no different than a husband and wife if something happens between a husband and wife and there's the forgiveness is what allows it to heal right because if something happens you create a little disconnect and forgiveness is what brings it back together and so having that forgiveness uh, gratitude is you know being grateful for them is another um, you know, place that you can engage with gratitude with them. So, you know, it's just, it's those kinds of items that, and it, it's, yeah, I mentioned it's how to be the parent your teenager needs you to be. And you notice all of those things in this building connection is about how you're being, you know, it, it's, it's sort of the presence that you're bringing to the table is a big part of it. I love that being play, just being willing to play, go do something that, that's on their love language, be kind, be playful. Right. Be present um, and be intentional about finding ways to build the relationship. Because you're right, it's, we have to be a little more intentional. What would you say to someone who's, you said sometimes in teenage years, you know, the teenager kind of moves apart and then they'll come back for advice and they'll, or they'll come back and it kind of goes back and forth like this, almost like a dance. For somebody who is 
you know, maybe having their first teenager and, and the teenager is in, kind of in the faraway spot. Yeah. What would you say to that? What would you say to that parent? Yeah, it's, um, and actually in the book, I, I position it with three fundamentals. And so the first of the fundamentals goes back to what I mentioned about the parent being mindful of where they're coming from. Are you fearful or are you love-based? And when that there's that distance there, it's pretty easy and very common for that parent to be in a fearful place. Then they're worried about the teen. They're afraid of what's going on. They don't know what's going on. There's, you know, it's, it feels like unknown. And so it's fearful. And so the, my comment would be, be careful because any way, anytime you respond out of that fear, it just creates more disconnect. So the example would be, you feel disconnected to the teen, they're heading out on Friday night and that parent that's feeling that disconnect, that's worried, what do they say? They say, what are you doing tonight? Where are you going? Who are you going with, right? They come in with these, all those kinds of questions, which is because they're fearful, right? They're worried. And that teenager, it just drives them away, right? They, they feel like they're being interrogated or they're not trustworthy and you know all of those kinds of things. So the first thing to start with is where is the parent? Where are they coming from? And so then you get love-based. And this then the next step is that the second fundamental is building connection. And so you have to go back and reestablish that foundation of connection. That should be the priority to, to bring that relationship back together. And so you got to look for those opportunities and be very intentional about that. You know, where you know, and if there's a lot of disconnect, it's it could be a challenge, you know, because that teen is going to be suspicious of anything the parent tries to do because they're going to, you know, that disconnect is too wide or that gap is too wide. So you just have to be very intentional and very um, committed to trying to find ways to build. And sometimes it can be simple, um, you know, as simple as a good morning a pleasant good morning from a love-based, compassionate, forgiving perspective can be very powerful. Simple words, right? But if if it's um, and it, and that's that's where the context or how who you're being is so critical because if you're not really for you know in a forgiving or grateful place, no matter what the words are, it, the teen picks up on it that it's it's inauthentic at that point, right? And that's why it's so important for the parent to be really grounded in love so you can be authentic. Um, and that vulnerable conversation could be one, you know, where you just say, you know what, I feel like we've drifted apart. I know I probably contributed to this in some ways. You know, I, I really would like for us to be able to, you know, reconnect a little bit more. And then that, then you can slip a little bit in the coaching, you know, what could we do maybe to reconnect some, you, you know, sort of engage them for some ideas. Um, but it's, you know, every family dynamic is different. Every relationship's different. That's why there's not like one set answer for that. You have to be there. It, the, the, it's con from a concept standpoint, you're trying to rebuild connection. You have to be really love-based and then work to rebuild it. That's, that's where you got to start. No, I love that. I love that. Um, that's, these are so valuable. Uh, just coming from a place of love, you know, not, it reminds me of something Gandhi said. He said, we think that the enemy is hate. It's not hate. It's fear coming from this fear position, which is right. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And I know I struggle with that rather than coming from like this genuine, Hey, I care about you. Right. I really just want to have, you know what? 
And honestly, you know, they say sometimes people live up to what you kind of the place you hold them. In other words, if you have, if you can hold in your mind, Hey, my teenagers on the way to being this confident, awesome, amazing, right. Um, doing great things in the world. And, and when they fail, you, you just say, Oh, it's, they're just on the way. They're, yeah. they're learning to walk. And, and it's, yeah. <laughs> it's more of an opportunity rather than, um, you know, I really blew it. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, bless you. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like one of the, um, I do a workshop where I talk about the 10 things that you should not be doing as a parent of a teenager and then, you know, what you can do instead. And to your point, one of them is to stop fixing their problems. You know, that's one of the things you need to resist the urge to do. And one of the primary reasons, and again, this, remember I talked about those two different journeys from the second journey, the journey of fulfillment standpoint, when you go in and fix a problem for your teen, the underlying sort of hidden message is you don't believe they can fix it on their own, right? You're right. sending a disempowered. I have to fix it for you. Right, because and it's a disempowered. you're not capable. You're not capable. And so the teen, that's what they start to believe, right? That I'm not capable. Whereas if they have a problem and you turn as a parent and say, you know what? You got this. You can figure it out. I'll, I'll help you. I mean, I'll be here in support of you, but you got it. You, you can handle it. You know, that just sends a completely different message. And it's that message of belief in themselves that they can handle it. Right. And so that's too where these, you know, we have to be my, and if it's, we go in and fix it because we're fearful that they can't, or we're fearful that the pain and the suffering that they're going to go through is going to be too much and they won't be able to handle it. Right. So it's, that's it's fear-based when we try to a lot of times rush in and fix it. And so the alternative is just to, you know, empower them and coach them and turn. And I, I use in that workshop, I say, turn the problem back over to them, you know, give it back to them and then say, how, you know, how are you going to deal with this? Well, I don't know. Well, if you did know, what would you do? You know, you just kind of keep having them be, because you, again, you want to teach them to be thoughtful. You want to teach them to problem solve, um, to be resourceful, you know, to be able to get through these things. And they get there by going through it and you supporting them as they go through it. Oh, I love that. So if we can, as, if we can, as parents know that at some point our kids are going to pull away, you know, whether you're a parent of a three-year-old or a five-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 17-year-old, and if we can take that look at it and say, you know what, this is a normal, natural piece. I need to adapt. I need to learn what an opportunity this is to learn. Right. And how can I transition from being like, you know, a, the parent of a young person to somebody who I'm literally, they're starting to become, like you said, equals. And that's exciting. Right. It's it exciting is very exciting. To where they can be kind of on the same level. Of course, they can still honor you as a parent, but, but to, to, to let them do that. And, and, and that journey that we as parents have, and we as, man, I'm excited to read your book. That sounds great. How to be the parent of a teenage, the parent your teenager needs you to be. Let me ask you this, Jim, how else can people get a hold of you? You seem like you have just great things to say, or how can they get more information from you? Yeah. So the, uh, pra my practice is called Family Enrichment Academy. So if you go to familyenrichmentacademy.com, you know, that's the, the website and you can connect there. Um, I do produce content on a regular basis. And as, as you mentioned, I have the book, but I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I speak and do workshops. I mean, it's all the stuff that you would expect. Um, 
is you know is part of that practice and so you can go there and actually on there there's a free resource it's my little giveaway for parents with teenagers it's 10 questions you should never ask your teenager and then again 10 and those are the conversation killers kind of to your point about getting them to talk and then there's 10 great questions you know the conversation starters and that's a free resource uh, that's available you know give us give me your email and we'll you know you get to download that resource so um yeah it's a, and it's a great way to connect to the community as well and for those of you who are driving and like those to look at those resources i'll make sure to include those in the show notes so that you can find this family enrichment at academy.com and get these questions never to ask which are conversation killers <laughs> and also some great questions to ask which are conversation starters this is great yeah Right. Well, well, Jim, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Can you tell us if there was maybe one or two last points that, that are just you would want to leave parents of teenagers or parents who may soon to be teen have teenagers? If you had to say boil it down to one or two things, what would you tell them? I guess the first thing I would encourage them to do and invite them to do is to make sure they adopt a growth mindset. The, because it's going to be a growing process for both you and your teenager as you go through those teenage years. And you just got to sort of lean into that. Like, like we had mentioned a few times throughout this conversation, the idea that these things are opportunities for growth for your teen, but it's also an opportunity for growth for you. And that's what it's all about. It, you know, you can come out the other end with your, your life being in a better place because you both are going to grow through this process. And so you know, that's if you're not open to growing, then you're not going to be able to move through this very well. And I always like to say, you know, that growth mindset, that's the source of hope. You know, a lot of times people get stuck and, and, it's and they feel hopeless. It's because they feel like they can never change or the situation's never going to change. And so they become hopeless. But change comes when you open up to grow and, and hope can be very powerful. So I, I always like to, to start people there, just yeah, adopt that growth mindset, and you might be amazed at what you can learn and what you can accomplish and what your teen can learn and accomplish as well, is if you lean into that and embrace that idea. I love that, that growth mindset where, you know what, I'm willing to change and grow. It may be a little painful at times, but I'm willing to do it. And going in expecting that maybe I need to make some changes about how I'm handling things rather than acting from a position of fear to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to figure this out and have a growth mindset. Love that. Thank you, Jim. Anything Absolutely. else you would say? Pardon? Anything else you would say um, um, to any parents? Yeah, well, that and um, just it, it's about being love-based. Well, I guess one of my, my things I, I would throw out to parents, maybe this is a good way to leave it, two things actually. One is that any unwanted or what you would call quote unquote bad behavior by your teenager is a call for love. It's a call to reconnect. That's the first thing you got to think about is anything they time they do something that feels wrong, if you will, or not what you want. It's the first thing they're asking for is they need to reconnect. And so that's, I would throw that out for parents to keep that in mind. And and part of it, you know, that statement is, is I sort of sign off a lot of my stuff with the idea that a change in perspective changes everything. And if you can start to shift your perspective and change from being fear-based to love-based, it'll just transform 
everything that's happening within your family. So, and that, you know, that simple shift in perspective can be super, super powerful. No matter the question, love is the answer. My mom used to say that. I love yeah. that. Become love-based, not fear-based. Jim, you know, I'm super excited. I have not read your book yet, but I'm excited to get a copy, How to Be the Parent Your Teenager Needs. Also, you can reach Jim at familyenrichmentacademy.com and get that, that free list of questions, 10 questions to never ask, and 10 questions that are great conversation starters. Um, Jim, so grateful to have you on the show today. And Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Hopefully, hopefully somebody, you've been able to take some little insights from this. I know I have for sure. There, in fact, there's a few things I'm going to do right after the show, just because of some things you've said. So thank you for being on the show with us today and feel free to reach out to Jim. And thanks for listening to the principal podcast today. <laughs>